The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. All right. Well, Merry Christmas. Um, that's what you do when you're the youth pastor. You put on an elf costume and you go harass people when it's 80 degrees outside. So um, the, here's our goal. Here's all we're trying to do uh, for the next couple weeks. Uh, we're praying and we're hopeful that in this season, uh, you, your family, those who you invite, will have a Merry Christmas. And I know in the church we have this idea that, hey, we're not really supposed to talk about Merry Christmas. It's supposed to all be about Jesus. It's not supposed to be about trees. It's not supposed to be about lights. It's not supposed to be about anything else. It's supposed to be about Jesus. And I agree 100%. But when we make it all about Jesus, then that truly does make our Christmas merry, makes it joy-filled, makes it a wonderful season, the happiest season around. I really believe that. I believe that if you make it about Jesus, it truly will be a merry Christmas. So that makes our desire for you to have a Merry Christmas, a God-honoring and good desire. Now, how we're going to do that, we're going to talk for just today and next Sunday about what Jesus brought. What, what is this son who came down from heaven to earth, was born of a What did he do for us? It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be good. But the intent, the purpose is for all for all the season to have what we would call a Merry Christmas. So that's the name of the series. That's what we're going to try and do. We're going to talk about Jesus. It's going to be great. But I want to just set that as the vision before we even get started. Let's pray, and then let's dive in and listen to what God has for us today. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. He is our hope. He is our life. He is our truth. He is the reason for this season, and we say that with total confidence. God, I pray that we would find joy and peace and hope in this season, that it would be through you, through your son, Jesus Christ, that we would know him in an intimate way, and God, that our lives would be eternally changed because of him. Uh, May those who are um, alert because of this time of year, may they be met by you, and may you transform lives from the inside out. Only you can do that. So God, come and do what you're going to do here today. This is your church. We are definitely your people. Uh, So come and have your way with us. It's in your name, and it's for your glory, we pray. Amen. So, uh, this Christmas season, I believe it is a season of optimism, okay? I believe it is a joyful season because in this five or six weeks, and I know Walmart and Hobby Lobby start in September, but in this five or six weeks, kind of from Thanksgiving through Christmas, I believe it is a joy-filled time because there's optimism, There's optimism that some of the stuff in our life that is broken can be made right. For instance, if we are sad, if when you wake up in February you're depressed, there's the hope in this season that maybe you'll go to a holiday party. Maybe someone will give you a gift. Maybe you'll see some light somewhere that will cause you great joy. My family and I, we drove to Chickasha this week because it was 80 degrees at night, and we walked around the million lights of Chickasha, and I won't lie, there's a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a 35-year-old, my wife, we're, we're all there. We're smiling from ear to ear. We're truly happy just walking around looking at Santa driving a semi-truck. I mean, it, it has nothing to do with anything, but it, it brings a smile to your face. So for some of us who are sad, we're optimistic in this season that something about this season will bring us joy. For those of us who just seem to lack purpose, who seem to lack that drive in life, maybe we find it in our decorations. I don't know if many of you have spent hours, days, weeks decorating your home, making it the perfect holiday retreat. I I don't know if you did that, but if you did, you probably did that to 
fulfill, fulfill some kind of need for completeness, to fulfill some kind of need for, hey, I, I did this, I accomplished it. Last year, we decided we we're going to do the outside of our house because that's what you do. You, do, you put lights on the outside, so we, we went to Home Depot like everyone does. We spent way too much money like everyone does, but we spent money on the cheap LEDs, not the bright LEDs. So when we got done, we were kind of like, uh-uh. But anyway, that's, that's just, that was our fault. Um, bought a ton of lights. Put them up on the house, put them in the bushes, put them around the, put them around the sidewalk. It was great. Clark Griswold, plug them in. And it was kind of like, oh, that isn't done yet. We hadn't done the ridge line. We hadn't done the backside. It was not symmetrical. It just I couldn't feel the contentment and the completeness that I really needed from that moment because hey, you know what I'm talking about. Like you don't spend four days doing this if you aren't looking for something at the end. So we go buy more lights, go spend more money, put the ladder up on the roof. Now I got to get up to the ridge. So I get about nine feet in the air and I just have a panic attack. I just freeze. <laughs> I'm gonna fall. I don't want to die. It's not worth it. I love you, Paige. Like you know, I'm just I'm I'm I. I'm going to die for sure. And so I sit there paralyzed for about five minutes. And Paige is like, hey, if you need to come down, come down. And I'm just like, I don't need to come. I'm coming down. So, I, so the ridge line's not done. We've got all these lights. It's, it's not going to happen. So my wife goes, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do it. And I said, no, you won't. It's so steep. It's a two-story house. You're at least a half a mile in the air. If you fell, you're, you would widow me. It would be horror. So I, I'm giving her all these excuses, just praying she didn't get up there and do it because I would look like such a weenie. So I'm praying that she doesn't go, but there's no telling her no when she wants to go. So she climbs up that ladder and runs straight up to the top of our two-story roof, and with every strand of C9s that I handed her, a little bit of my manhood went with them. I, you're doing great, babe. <laughs> okay. Proud of you. Hey, do you need any water from down here? It looks like, okay, don't, don't fall. We love you. So she finished it. The house is illuminated. I'm no longer a man. And the whole purpose was blown. The purpose was to feel something, you know, to know that I've accomplished something. And when your wife finishes what you started, the whole purpose is blown. So um, Christmas is a time of optimism. It's a time of joy. It's a time of sharing. It's a time where we truly believe if, if we give or receive the perfect gift, that will complete us. That will make us content. That will truly fulfill us. And as you heard on the video, the reason December 26th is such a sad day is not just because you walk out of your bedroom and the presents are gone from the tree and you know you got to put it back up in the attic. It's not just because all of the time you spent making a joy-filled Christmas now has to be reversed. It's not that. It's because you're 11 months away from your next season of hope. You're 11 months away from that head fake that is called Christmas to, to make you feel like you've got a purpose. You can be happy. The reason the 26th is so depressing is because you know at a soul level, now I just have work and family. and It's not Christmas anymore. It's New Year's, and that's not great. Man, we're all wanting something. At a soul level, we all want to be complete. And the reason that I can say that definitively, that we all want to be complete, is because I know this truth as well. At a soul level, we are all broken. Now, it wasn't supposed to be that way, church. When God made you, when God made mankind, he made us whole. He made us complete. 
That was the original plan. Very quickly, sin entered into the world, and that which was whole and complete and good became fractured and broken. Pieces that are supposed to be good became bad. You, you walk through this life trying to put the pieces back together. Because you know at a soul level, you were created to be whole. You were created to be complete. You were created to be content. You were created for that, and sin came and messed it all up. So what we do is we try and put it back together. And there's a bunch of things that become the glue. The glue that holds us together. The glue that takes these broken pieces and tries to put the vase back together. Uh, our world has a bunch of them. Money is a big one. If we just have enough money, I'll feel complete. I'll feel secure. If I have enough success, if I attain enough, then that, that will be good. If uh, I numb it with drugs or alcohol, that will uh, at least allow me to forget about this broken piece. We have plenty of glues in our society, one of which we heard a lot last week in our baptism service. It's called trying to be perfect, perfectionism. I'm going to not even acknowledge that I'm broken because I'm going to be perfect. At least on the outside, I'm going to look perfect. I'm going to do everything I can to be perfect. I'm going to be perfect, and that's how I'm going to deal with my brokenness. I'm just going to fix it myself. You want to know the darndest thing about all those glues? About all those things that we use, money, success, drugs, alcohol, perfection, all those things that, that we try to cling to, like even in this season, the lights, the decor, the parties. You want to know the thing that stinks about them? Is that they work. I wish they didn't work. I wish that when you got a huge bonus at work, it didn't make you feel more complete. It didn't make you feel more content. I wish that it, when you fill up your bank account, it did not make you feel better as a human being. I wish that when you took drugs and alcohol, it did not numb the pain you were trying to numb. I wish that being perfect didn't get you so much accolade in this world. I wish that Christmas lights didn't make me smile. <laughs> But you should, you should have watched your faces walking in here. You're just like, oh, my. <laughs> and that's good. That's normal. It works. It works. It works temporarily. And that's why even though it does work, it's so damaging. Because these glues, they glue us back together temporarily. Because at the end of the day, there won't be enough money. At the end of the day, there won't be enough success. At the end of the day, there won't be enough drugs. At the end of the day, there will not be enough joy from external sources to make us whole again. It's a temporary fix. But for the temporary, it works. So we pursue it. We pursue it with everything in us because we're broken and we know it and we want to fix what's broken. It's in our DNA to fix it. We want to fix that which is broken. And the world provides hundreds and thousands of means to do that temporarily. But the problem with all of these temporary fixes is that it does not address the root problem. Now, the root problem is sin, but I want to take sin one step further and talk about brokenness. 
all of these temporary fixes do not actually repair, do not actually complete, do not actually restore. They're head fakes. They make us think for a moment that we're good, but we're really not. They do not address the root problem that we are broken. But, and you probably know where we're going with this, Jesus does. And when we say this season, the reason for Christmas, the reason for this season is Jesus, that's a cheesy statement. He's the reason for the season. But it's true. This season where we're trying so desperately to find our joy and our contentment and our peace in this world, he is that. This season exists because God took on flesh and came to earth to bring us peace, wholeness, to repair that which was broken. That's why he left his throne. Now you're going, no, 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 he came came for sinners. Uh, He came so we might have life eternal. Yes, true, but I think that's where churches fail sometimes. Is that we just preach that. We just preach eternity. We just preach trust in Jesus so that you don't go to hell. We, we preach that, and we fail to see that the true good news of Jesus Christ is that he comes to redeem and repair that which is broken. Yes, eternity is part of it. Yes, eternal life is amazing, but he comes to do so much more. He comes to bring peace. God came to earth so that we might be at peace. Now, at peace is talked about in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Matthew chapter 1, it says this, A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God came to earth for a purpose. Now the purpose is in Isaiah 9, verse 6, in the form of a prophecy. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. That's a very unique phrase there. Um, I think that's talking about the kingdom of God. We don't have to advance the kingdom. He's going to put it on his shoulders and carry it for us. So that's good. The kingdom of God is upon his shoulders. He will be called a wonderful counselor. So not just a savior, not, not just a good friend. He will be called a counselor, someone who can step into our need and address what we desire. He will be called a mighty God. He is strong and able to provide. He will be an everlasting father, repairing the relationship between God and man. You will once again be a child of God. Sin cannot disrupt that. And he will be the prince or the authority on peace. He will have the market cornered when it comes to peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you some good news. And this good news, it's going to be great joy for all people. I think we miss that passage a lot. It's not just going to be eternity for some people. It's going to be joy. What I'm about to share with you is joy for all who will receive it. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to us. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This good news that will bring joy to all people is that Jesus came to save us from our broken lives. Jesus came to make us whole again. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. In Hebrew, the word peace is shalom. I don't do a lot of word studies, but this one's an important one to do. The Hebrew word shalom, um, in the Hebrew language, they use it to say hello, they use it to say goodbye, but it's not like aloha. It's so much more than that. 
This word matters, the meaning matters, the definition matters, because we need to unpack what shalom, if, if Jesus is the peace, the shalom of God, what is that? Well, shalom is more than just simply peace. It's, it's actually far more. Jesus is the prince of completeness. Jesus is the prince of contentment, wholeness, well-being, and harmony. That's what the word shalom means. It means peace, contentment, completeness, wholeness, well-being, and harmony. Whatever you are seeking this season falls into one of those categories. Where you are broken, you are broken in one of these areas, and Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, has come to repair that, to restore that, to bring contentment and completeness and wholeness and well-being and harmony. When we say that he brings completeness, it means that Jesus came to repair the parts of you that are broken, to take your sins upon himself and give you a new, full, and abundant life in him. We could unpack that for two hours. But just know that at the core, what you feel is a lack of wholeness, a lack of completeness. And part of the peace that Jesus brings is that completeness because he's able to truly remove the sin or the agent that causes the brokenness. That's true transformation. That's completeness. But it's more. There's an aspect of safety. Uh, you might call it protection. A physical protection. We don't talk about that a lot, but I think we pray for it sometimes. God protect us. God place your hand upon us as we take this road trip. But we do that. When my family gets in the car for a long road trip, we stop in the driveway and we pray. And we pray, God, watch over us. God, protect us. God. And I always say, God, place your hand upon this car and get us there. And, and here's why we do that. Because I can be a great driver. I, I can avoid all the yahoos. I can do all that. But at the end of the day, if God has placed his hand upon that car, nothing's going to happen to it. There's, and there's peace that comes from that knowledge. There's peace that comes from that understanding that our safety is in his hands. He is going to protect us. If you read the book of Psalms, like, if you take it in chapters of five, like, four of them, if David wrote them, he'll just be talking about, God, deliver me from my enemies. God, protect me from my enemies. God, save me from those who are trying to hurt me. God, don't let this guy get me. God, don't let this person talk bad about me. God, don't do this. And then, at, like, chapter five, he'll go, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You delivered me from all my enemies. You protected me. You're awesome. And, and I, don't, I don't have a lot of people trying to take me down. But David did. And to him, the peace that God brought was truly a physical protection. And for some of you, you are probably in fear. You're in fear of what people say. You're in fear of what people will do. You are truly in danger, and God will be your protection. He will bring your peace to make you whole. There's an aspect of this peace that is welfare, health, and prosperity. Now, at Summit, we don't talk about the health and the prosperity very much because there's a lot of people out there that manipulate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and say that that's all it is. You trust in him, you're going to be healthy forever, and you're going to be super wealthy. That's not what the gospel says. That's not the good news of Jesus Christ. But we also can't throw it all out. If you are sick... If you, are, if you are sick, if you are physically ill, Jesus came to be the peace that would restore that, that would make you well. There is health that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And there's also prosperity. How much? I can't define it. It's not tenfold. I, I don't know what it is. But I know that God will provide. 
He will take care of you and bring you peace, wholeness, contentment. For how many of us is the greatest source of fear, anxiety, and worry money? I would say that's the case for most of us as long as we're healthy. Because when you get sick, you stop worrying about how much money you have. Am I, am I right? How much money you have isn't a big deal until you get cancer. And it's like, I don't care. I, oh, gosh, okay. Health and prosperity. Overall welfare. That is the peace that Jesus brings. Within this same word, there's the idea of tranquility and contentment. Man, if we could just understand the value of being content. Think, all right, just, just take a breath and think about this for a minute. Think about your life. Okay, we live life in spheres, right? We have our work life, we have our family life, we have our church life, we have our kids, we have uh, this, we have our aspirations and our dreams, we, we have our, you know, our money, we have all these spheres. If, you could, if I could choose today to be happy for the rest of my life, or to be content for the rest of my life. I would choose to be content. I would choose to be content because happiness is way up here. Happiness seems to be kind of a lot, but contentment means I'm at peace. It means I'm good. I'm not worried. I'm not scared. I'm not seeking more. I'm, not doing, I'm just content. I'm at peace. If, if I could be content in all circumstances, I would take that in a heartbeat. And that's what Jesus came to bring. For those who put their faith and their trust in him, he comes to bring peace, tranquility, contentment. And that, I think, leads to happiness. I, I don't know that we can be happy before we're content. So I would choose to be content. And finally, this peace that Jesus brings, it's a peace in relationships, specifically friendships. Um, it's a peace in our human relationships. I'm not going to talk about that because that's all next week. Next week's the peace that Jesus brings in, into our relationships. Um, but there's another relationship that Jesus comes to repair and restore, and that is our covenant relationship with God the Father. Anyone feel distant? You're sitting here in this season, you're sitting here in church, and you're just like, I'm a million miles away. I'm a million miles away from God. I'm a million miles away from him. Jesus did not just come to make you smile. He didn't just come to protect you or to provide for you or to make you content. He came to do all those things. He also came to put you back in relationship with God. Good, perfect relationship with God. Jesus is the only one who brings the wholeness, the peace that we are all seeking this season. He's the only one that brings it. So how do we accept it? How do I take it? Like, I, I wish it was a pill, you know? I wish, like, I could line, and I know there's been a lot of cults, so we're not going to do that, but, like, I wish I could just line up a bunch of pills and just be like, all right, if you want this, come take the pill, and, it, and then you'll be good. I wish I could do that. I really do. Like, I wish it was that simple. I wish it was something you did. I wish it was, all right, everyone who wants the peace of Jesus Christ, go out to the track and run a mile, and like half of us are puking on the side, and the other half are like, let's do a 5K. But anyway, so like, um, I, I, wish, I wish there was some qualifier, like, hey, this is what you do to get this peace. Because I know the answer. B biblically, it's very clear exactly what you have to do to get this peace. It's very clear. 
the answer is very simple. The application, though, is so hard. I wish the application was run a mile. I wish the application was something else. But here's the answer. What do I do to get this? In order to receive, accept this wholeness, this peace that comes only from Jesus, you have to wholly, completely, or fully give yourself to him. You have to trust him completely. And this is very, very, very tough to do because it takes faith. It takes us believing that we can wholly, fully, completely trust in God, and he will then be for us our peace. Because what we do is we hedge our bets. You know what that means? We say, I want Jesus. That's my primary bet. Like, I'm going to put most of my money on Jesus, bringing me the peace I want. But I'm going to hedge this bet, and I'm going to put a little bit of my faith and a little bit of, my, uh, a little bit of myself in my money. Because if, I, if at the end of the day Jesus messes this up, at least I'll have my checking account. I'm going to put most of my faith in Jesus, but I'm going to put a little bit of faith in this relationship. As long as I've got my family, I know at the end of the day we'll be good. I, I'm going to trust 90% Jesus, 10% family. I'm just going to hedge my bet just in case Jesus isn't what he says he is. Just in case this guy appears wrong, i, I got to hedge it a little bit. Because if I just trust him completely, then I, what if he doesn't come through? That's why it takes faith. That's why it's called faith. It's believing without seeing. Believing that Jesus is who he says he is. Believing that he can be for you what you cannot be for yourself. Believing that he will bring you this season the peace that you so desperately seek. As the band comes back up here, I just want you to ask yourself, what are the areas in my life of brokenness where do I feel incomplete? Am I scared for my own well-being? Am I sick? Am I without the resources that I need to live life? Am I just lacking contentment in so many areas? Or am I a million miles away from God and it makes it really difficult to do life? It, I, I need you to identify the area of brokenness in your life. And then I offer to you the opportunity to respond to the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Wholeness, the authority on what it is that you seek. I offer you the opportunity to respond to him. The way that you will do that today is by coming forward and letting one of our pastors, our prayer team members, just pray over this area of brokenness, this area of fear, this area of sickness, this, this financial burden, whatever it is. You, you allow us to just pray over it and to trust in Jesus that he will be for you the peace that you seek. Put your faith in him. That is the response today. He is the peace that we all seek during this season. He is the permanent peace that transcends the lights and the presence and the parties and the family. He is the one who came to earth to restore that which is broken. I've got good news, church. News that will bring you great joy. Today, right here in this church, there's a Savior whose name is Jesus. And he can restore you. He can complete you if you simply put your faith in him.
if you fully trust in him to do that, to be your peace. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that we would do that, that we would respond to your gift, Jesus. We would ask him to be our peace. We would trust him without reservation, and we would find the true joy that is this season, the joy that is Jesus Christ. God, move us in response to you, in response to your good news. Come and make new that which is broken. Come and restore us and make us whole. We need your peace, Jesus Christ. So allow us to respond to you now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond to him.